You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk. Our reading today is from James chapter 2, and you can find this on page 1214 of the Church Bibles. So, James chapter 2, verse 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend, You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. We'll take a moment just to pray before John uh, comes up. Right, let's just focus on those on those words. Faith without works is dead. Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. We pray that you would be with your servant John now as he brings your word to us. That Lord, you would fill him with your Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, your word would do what you want it to do. By faith, we believe this to be true. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, good morning. And we've actually heard quite a lot about faith over the last couple of weeks, haven't we? Um, with the death of the Queen and references to to her faith and uh, culminating in the in the funeral last Monday. I mean, no one does ceremonial quite like the British. Um, as Anne said, lots of troops, but not a tank in sight, <laughs> carrying things like bows and arrows. But we come back to faith in a minute. 
Um, and, you know, having had a pause from uh, politics for a few weeks, a couple of weeks, uh, normal services beginning to be resumed, of course. Uh, I mean, I may be turning into a grumpy old man, uh, but I increasingly get annoyed by the way words are sometimes used, particularly by the media and politicians. Deliver is one such word. Policies are delivered, promises are delivered, results are delivered, and 40 new hospitals will be delivered by 2030. Love to see what lorries they're coming on. What's wrong with promises implemented, kept, achieved, or built? You know, in one short radio interview about two or three weeks ago, the interview in a two minutes interview used the word deliver three times. It gets worse, though. Theresa May, on accepting um, leadership of the Tory party, managed to use it about four or five times and ended her little speech with the words, deliver, deliver, deliver. Listen, yeah, thank you, Liz Trust. In 2020, uh, Matt Hancock in Downing Street brief, briefing talked about vaccines being delivered and one wondered whether he was talking about the process of getting them to the vaccination centre or the process of getting them into the arm. And talking of the word clear, when I hear the phrase, I want to be perfectly clear, I sometimes wonder what the speaker is trying to hide. Basically, words need content and meaning. And one word which sometimes seems devoid of proper meaning is the word faith. It can be used in a vague sort of way to talk about Christianity in general, the faith. It can be a nebulous commodity, as in, I want you to have faith. I once heard a preacher say that God used faith to create the world. He was citing Hebrews 11.3, in the AV, through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. Hmm. Weird. He was urging us to have more faith so that we could be healthy and wealthy, etc. I won't tell you who the preacher was. Ask me afterwards and what I was doing listening to him. <laughs> he was urging us to have more faith as a commodity. It can also be sometimes used to denote belief in something which is obviously not true. I mean, the, the secularists say this, you know, faith is just believing something which obviously uh, isn't true. <laughs> yeah. And it can also mean a sort of religious grouping, you know, as in faith community. No, I'm not a member of a faith community. I'm a member of a Christian church. Um, in our passage this morning, though, James wants his readers, uh, I nearly said to be perfectly clear, <laughs> to understand what real faith is and what it's not. See if this works. Yes, here we go. But before we get onto this passage, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. Now, as a church, we very much hold to the scripture teaching that we can't earn God's approval, 
by the good things we do. You don't do good things and tick up brownie points with God. But we can only be saved from his judgment by faith in the Lord Jesus, who died to take away our sin. Repentance and faith are the route to reconciliation with the Father and eternal life. Listen to what Paul says in his letter to the church in Ephesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Is there a contradiction here? Who's correct? Paul or James? The answer, of course, is both are correct. Now, in this letter, James is addressing believers. He assumes that they've got faith. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 3... Consider it pure joy, my brother and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Jamie spoke on this two or three weeks ago. He's assuming his readers have got faith, and it's the same in this passage. Much of his letter, then, is about living out that faith when we're under external pressure, he talked about perseverance, and internal temptation, he's talking, he talks about the use of the tongue, for instance. There's a lot about what we do and what we say. So when we come to this passage, chapter 2, verse 14, James is ensuring that his readers and ourselves understand what real faith looks like. There's content here to the word faith. And he starts with a a proposition in in the form of a question, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? And he ends the section with a firm conclusion in verse 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. In some ways, it's a complicated passage, so let's see if we can grasp what James is saying. Uh, James has a nice symmetrical pattern here, if you like patterns in, in Scripture and in Scripture passages. Firstly, he tells us what faith is not, with two examples. And then, what faith is, with two examples. Each set of two examples appears as well. Faith in relation to our fellow believers and faith in relationship to God. Let me explain. And there's the pattern on the screen there. James starts, as he often does, with a bold statement which makes us sit up and take notice. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Hang on a minute, James. We thought we knew what, what faith is. Have we got it wrong? No. James is saying that unless you're doing something about your faith, it's a bit rubbish. And he gives an example relating to the folk around us. 
in verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, well fed, and does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accomplished, accompanied by action, is dead. Nice words to a fellow believer, just don't cut it. We need to help them. Our faith should be outward facing. We should in one sense be good people. Can we ignore the physical needs of our fellow believers here in ECC? The UK and around the world? No. We shouldn't if our faith is to have any meaning, says James. Fellow believers, yes, James refers to brothers and sisters in need. But this also extends to non-believers, other humans made in God's image. Paul says in Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. If we're in a position to help, real faith prompts us to respond to the Tear Fund Pakistan appeal or offer to cook a meal for someone in church. Dead faith says fine words and does nout does nothing. That's what faith is not in relation to others. Sorry, I've been suffering from a cold, quite dry. But then James talks about what faith is not in relationship to God, in our relationship with our maker. And we come to verse 18. And the translation's a bit tricky here because the original Greek doesn't have any punctuation. So we can't be sure who is speaking to who and where the quotation at the start of verse 18 ends. Anyway, don't get too hung up on that. Deeds demonstrate and validate faith. Now, you can say, I've got faith... But without a practical demonstration of that faith, who can tell if it's real? It's just just a statement, you know. I could say, I'm a brain surgeon. But without any practical demonstration, how do you know whether what I'm saying is true? Okay, people can do good things without having faith, but it doesn't work the other way around. In fact, it's worse than that. You can have a set of seemingly orthodox beliefs which are not what we call saving faith. Uh, James uses a bit of shorthand here. And in fact, Jamie quoted this earlier. You believe there is one God, he says. His readers, particularly the Jewish background believers, would instantly spot the reference to Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Even the demons believe that. Perfectly orthodox. But that doesn't make the demons Christians, does it? No? Yes. They tremble. The demons tremble. Remember the gospel. When Jesus confronts the demonic, they run in the opposite direction as fast as they can, especially if there's a herd of pigs around. 
a vague sort of deism, a belief in a higher power, won't do. It's dead faith. Deuteronomy 6.4, surprisingly, is followed by Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God. And the demons don't love the Lord. Orthodox faith is necessary. Orthodox belief is necessary. But it's not faith unless it results in a love for God which leads to keeping his commands. So that's what faith is not people-facing and God-facing. And then we move on. What faith is the positive in relation to God? A third point here on the screen. And Jamie again has alluded to this when talking to the children earlier. James gives another Old Testament example from the life of Abraham. God tells Abraham to offer his son, his only son Isaac, as a sacrifice. Now, most of you will remember the story. God had promised Abraham that from his line a great nation would come. Yet this command of God appears to wipe out that promise. Sacrifice Isaac, his only son, and no line from which a great nation would come. However, Abraham was willing to obey. As the letters to the Hebrews puts it, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. If you remember the story at the last minute, God intervened, said to Abraham, hold, and then provided a ram caught in a thicket for the sacrifice. Abraham had faith, but that faith was demonstrated in doing, faith and action together. Verse 22, you see that his faith and actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Faith and actions working together. Living faith involves practical obedience to God. What, what might that look like to us? Continuing to give to God's work when money is tight? Trusting God to honor that giving? Not pursuing a hobby or an interest because God wants our time for his work? Heading overseas to work for him? turning your back on a lucrative career at home. I can't tell you what God might ask of you, only that faith and actions God would go together and have their own reward. If you look, Abraham was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And again, that rings sort of, almost rings alarm bells, but you have to take that passage at the end of that, that verse 24, at the end of that passage, within the context of the whole paragraph about Abraham. Faith and works in partnership. Faith being the senior partner, perhaps.
And then Rahab. Again, this is the outward-facing one. What faith is is in relation to others. And another Old Testament example which would ring bells with the the readers. Again, you remember the spies are sent into the promised land. Pursued by the enemy, enemy, Rahab the prostitute hid them. She hid them on the roof till the danger was past and sent them on their way in safety. Why did she do that? She'd heard of the God of Israel. She'd put her faith in the God of Israel. And she demonstrated that faith by practical action. As Alec Matir in a commentary puts it, she reached out and took into her care those who are needy and helpless, regardless of the cost to herself. As we reach out, as we help others, are we prepared to do so, even though it may cost us in some way, time, money, stress, difficulty? There are two Old Testament examples there to underline what James is saying. There's Abraham, a main character in the Old Testament. There's Rahab, in many ways a minor figure. Abraham, respectable. Rahab, disreputable, a prostitute. Abraham, a man. Rahab, a woman. But showing that faith should be accompanied by actions. Who is it who needs our care? If we say we have faith, are indifferent to the needs of the, those around us, it's not real faith, but dead faith. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Earlier on, I quoted Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I'll read it again, but add it in verse 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, but is the gift of God, not by works so that no one could boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Apostle Peter says something very similar in his second lesson. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affections, and to mutual affection love. For if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is our faith productive? In action, the life of faith is one which holds nothing back from God 
and the concern which holds nothing back from human need. Let's go away and give our faith a health check to ensure it's not dead. You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.